A car-loving couple. A perfectly planned wedding day. Disaster strikes. This week, on Tempest. I'm David Obachowski, and welcome to Tempest, a series that explores our hilarious, heartbreaking, complicated, and sometimes crazy lives with cars and the people who love them. Before we begin this episode, I need to give you a heads up. There's some strong language in here and at times graphic descriptions of injuries, so if you're sensitive to that sort of thing or your kids are listening, be aware. Now, on this week's episode, you'll be hearing the jaw-dropping story of Andrew Collins and Sidney Gannon's wedding day. I had Sydney and Andrew over separately to tell me their story. Um, I'm going to ask you to sit kind of, you see how close I am where my, Oop. now now you're breaking my shit. <laughs> yeah, like this, like real close? Like this? Yeah, like it, it almost seems weird at first. Your nose is okay, so the first thing to know about Andrew is that he's immediately likable. He's one of those people who after a few minutes, you just feel like you've been friends for a very long time. He's always smiling, always laughing, and with him, it's not obnoxious, it's contagious. He used to be a DJ, so I messed with stuff like this from time to time. Wait. Yeah. A DJ, like, on the radio? No, God, I wish. No, I was, I like, uh, high school dances and weddings and stuff when I was a kid, like, when I was, like, 18. DJ Shockwave in the house. Yeah, totally. No, this was a real thing. (laughs) <laughs> DJ Shockwave, I yeah. was going to ask you. He's back on the mic. He's <laughs> Watch out. Here, Andrew spots something on my desk. It looks like a credit card, except it's not. It's my official credential as a minister of the Universal Life Church. I got it about seven or eight years ago on the internet when I officiated my brother-in-law's wedding. He's a, he's a priest, folks. Yep, universal. Sort of, a minister. Yeah, Universal <laughs> Life Church Monastery. Yep. You get this online. Okay. <laughs> It's cut. It's a nice black card, and now you could perform marriages, and right. then you can DJ them. Yeah. <laughs> that would be the best. <laughs> I think that's the same credential my oh, my wedding officiant had, actually. Really? Yes. Yeah. His wedding officiant. You're actually going to hear more about him later, but first we delve into Andrew's life as a car-loving, off-roading motorhead. Uh, I am the reviews editor at the automotive website jalopnik.com. That means I kind of help us write car reviews, uh, t- sometimes tool reviews, motorcycle reviews, all kinds of consumer news and, you know, cover anything interesting happening in the car world, car industry. New car An experienced out. auto journalist, one of Andrew's passions is off-roading. You know, we're so lucky in L.A., kind of pretty much 90% of the reason I like living here is easy access to off-road and some of the best in the country. I might even say the world. His interest in off-roading started young, when he was barely a teenager. He'd seen a picture of a Land Rover and was immediately intrigued. I was like, oh, that thing's kind of cool. And I started looking up kind of Land Rover discoveries and what they're all about. And I was like, wow, off-roading looks pretty cool. And then I kind of had this this fantasy of just, you know, like blowing through picket fences and, you know, tearing it across the desert and just kind of raising hell. A few years later, he made his fantasy a reality. So I ended up buying a Land Rover myself. I found a 96 Discovery manual. Uh which was kind of cool. But he didn't just get into off-road trucks. He fell in love with all kinds of different vehicles, from sports cars to dirt bikes. And especially as a young man, he was not afraid to push them to their limits. So I got my license and <laughs> literally was like, I'm going to see how fucking fast this car can go. Like, oh, it was the only thing on my mind. I really had no concept of physics or anything. I was just going to like put the gas pedal all the way to the floor and see what happened. 
And uh, turns out what happens is <laughs> the car loses control very easily. <laughs> Meeple, you can picture me pulling into the driveway from my maiden voyage with the front of the car like hanging off. His passion for driving only grew, and after college, Andrew decided to pursue his dream with the same characteristic fearlessness. Uh, I booked a one-way ticket to Australia, which I knew had like a big off-road scene. He got there with no job prospects and emailed anyone and everyone he could think of who might have something to do with off-roading. Soon enough, he was hired on by a man named Magnus to help lead weeks-long dirt bike tours through the Australian outback. (laughs) First tour across Australia. It's like, all right, it's 17 days and coast to coast. It's like, well, you see the, the last stoplight on day one, and you don't, you're not going to see a traffic light again until day 17. Now, at this time, you know, I'm, a, I'm like a 23-year-old. I'm on a dirt bike. Adrenaline's running high. I mean, I'm running pretty hot. I'm not going to lie. We're, we're hauling ass across wide open country. It's like wind is everywhere. Life is good, man, right? I see a couple of fluffy shapes up ahead. I'm like, oh, are those are those kangaroos? Oh, you know, I didn't really think anything of it. Just kind of hauling ass. They were like, I don't know, maybe four car lengths off the side of the road, just sleeping on the ground. It's like, all right, whatever. Uh, as I was like right on them, they decided that was the moment they were going to cross the road. I collided with one. Well, I should say I split it in half with the front wheel of the bike. But I don't remember doing this. All I remember is regaining consciousness on my back. Andrew was brought to a hospital. Concussed, broken collarbone, damaged AC joint, but as soon as they released him, he rejoined the team. And, well, you might start seeing a pattern here. Yeah, man, I uh, I had a few crashes, I'm not going to lie. Uh, more than you could count on two hands. Look, Andrew's got a lot of great stories, and he's a great storyteller. So no kidding, we could just keep talking about his adventures and misadventures in Australia. But instead, let's meet... Sydney Gannon. Andrew's my husband of almost one year. And um, congratulations on the uh, coming up on the year. T- time flies, right? Kind of? No? This year was a little slower than I, th- I think other years, but yeah. Sydney works in education and public policy, but she's also a car person. And between the two of them, the couple own a small fleet. Um, it is a fleet in uh, oldest order. We've got a 1975 International Scout. Um, that is painted desert camo spray paint with a parrot on the top. Um, a 1984 uh, Nissan, I want to say 380Z. Hopefully Andrew didn't say something else. Maybe it's 280. Um, a 98 Montero and a 2005 Acura that is uh, now need a lot. It needs a lot of work. As for which one is hers? Oh, the Z is actually my car. We actually just uh, made it official. Oh, you just made it official. What was the yeah, how, what was yeah. the involved in making it official? Um, I said this is my car now. <laughs> but this story isn't about Nissans. It's about what happened a year ago. It was an extremely traumatic experience, and uh, trying to write about it has been obviously not similarly traumatic, but challenging in its own way for sure. Um, it's man. I mean, I don't even know where to start, but. Uh, yeah, I haven't been able to successfully write about it. I have attempted a few times, but it ends up kind of ruining my whole day. And uh, my time is so precious right now for other reasons I'll get into um, that it I can't I don't I can't afford to burn a whole day anymore. So so they've entrusted me to tell it. But I think the best way for you to hear it is in their words with their voices. 
For that reason, I'm going to be doing far less narration than I do in other episodes. I'll cut in only to add context or fill gaps where absolutely necessary. But first, a short break. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is the story of Andrew and Sydney's wedding day. August 25th, 2018 was the date. Um... Location was a spot that I now forget the name of overlooking the Grand Tetons, Jackson Hole, Wyoming. With just our very, very immediate family um, and a friend to officiate the wedding and a photographer. So like 15 people all up. So that was the plan and kind of have like some adventures um, in Wyoming and see nature and go hiking. And that didn't quite go as we wanted it to go. This was the, the morning of the day of our wedding. Um, since, since we were trying to pack a lot into the weekend, we were also doing activities the day of. What did Sydney decide she wanted to do? Oh, she wanted to go wheeling with us. And she did. She did. Some of my family went horseback riding. Some of them went rafting through a river. And our group went off-roading. Sydney and I were in a, were in a Maverick in a Can-Am. And uh, my friend and wedding officiant Jeff and his wife Johanna were in one. And then Sydney's stepfather, mother, and our photographer were in a four-seater. I, as I haven't said yet, the Can-Am is a machine. I have many, you know, I have hundreds of miles of experience driving vehicles like this. <laughs> um, yeah, so these little Razor off-road cars. Hopefully that's, it's a Razor um, with roll bars. Uh, it looks like a little race car, only it's real small. You got an engine behind you. You got a little cage, and that's pretty much it. They're super fast. Uh, extremely capable and <laughs> quite dangerous. Yep, we rented them and they're street legal. So you actually drive them from the place um, up into the mountains and where the off-road trails are. We were going to do, you know, fire roads, which are just like gravel roads, pretty much. Uh, nothing too crazy. Uh, again, it, it, everyone was there like for the wedding. So we weren't, you know, we, we knew we weren't racing. We were just chilling. I think the ceremony was just supposed to start around 6 p.m. Um, in the park. I was pretty tense mentally. Um, wedding day nerves. It's a thing. I didn't think it would be a thing, but it definitely was. You know, I didn't sleep much the night before. And uh, I was running hot for sure. Everything was fine for a little bit um, until the bees. Sydney gets stung by a bee. And I thought it was weird because it came from inside the vehicle. It wasn't flying in from outside. And then she's like, oh, like, you know, pull over. I got stung by a bee. Like, all right, I guess it really hurt. So we all pull over. We pull over this nice lookout spot. In a campsite, actually. And then we noticed there's kind of a lot of bees. It turned out that our vehicle had a nest of bees in it. So I slap the bodywork of this boogie we're in and freaking bees come out of it all over the place so we're like there are a lot of bees living in this buggy <laughs> so we're like shoot man we call the rental place and we're like you guys rented us a buggy full of bees what the hell is this all about your vehicle's full of bees can you get us a new one because you know we're trying to get married today and don't want to be covered in 
bee stings. And they're like, oh, are you serious? Like, that's horrible. Like, we'll send you a new one right away. I can't figure out if the bees are a bad omen or good fortune. A bad omen for, well, that'll be obvious. Good fortune because if it wasn't for the bees, Sydney wouldn't have gotten out of the vehicle. Yeah, I think, you know, that part of it gets kind of lost in what happened after, but it was really bizarre. Then again, if it weren't for the bees, they wouldn't have pulled over and have waited for the place to deliver a replacement. And this is where things really go sideways, is right here at this pretty little lookout where they're just killing time. So we're kind of hanging out, and, uh, you know, three cars parked. We're all just sort of sitting around, and we're like, well, shoot, we got two cars with no bees in them. Might as well waste some gas and, like, screw around. Andrew decided to take one and, you know, mess around a little bit while we were waiting. Um, You know, donuts, that sort of thing. You know, people are doing little donuts and whatever. I'm like, I'm going to take one. I take one down the road, kind of like hit it, um, come back. And he was coming around the turn back into the campsite. I'm like, I'm just going to kind of, I'm just going to hang the back out a little bit. Trying to make it you know, skid out a little bit as you come around a turn as as one might do if you're playing around. So I was like, I'll just kick the tail out a little. I'm not going to like, you know, do anything dumb. I'm just kind of, you know, a little gas, a little counter steer. Um, and I was watching him. This is kind of where it all goes down, man. I, uh, I just kind of hit it and... And the vehicle got caught. Like the next thing I know, the car's like freaking doing a damn aileron roll. And flipped. I'm flipping. I'm flying through the air. Um... We were all watching. I remember so vividly the sound of the engine over revving because in my panic, in, like my instinct was to like try to power out of it. So I'm mad at the throttle like while it's flying. It flipped. It landed um, on its top. I just remember my vision just like vignetting and this like feeling of my entire body being in like a vice uh, and the car is on its roof, and I put my left hand into my right hand. In the in, I was wearing these these uh, cross gloves, and my left hand, my left glove, just felt like a bag of sand. It was just like there was nothing there. And you could just hear Andrew screaming, "Hospital! Hospital! Hospital! Hospital!" And we all ran. So myself, our officiant, um, our photographer, my brother. Because obviously the car's on its roof, so everybody's running over. I don't think I've ever run so fast. It was pretty scary. Um, and we got to him. He's hanging upside down. He's holding his left hand. Then my brother-in-law was just like, I called 911 like straight away. And Jeff, our officiant, um, he's also trained as a as a like a first responder. So very handy guy to have as, as your wedding officiant, it turns out. Ben and my friend Jeff got the car on its wheels. Um, and he yelled at me to to not look. I The pain starts to come. So I was kind of crouched on the other side of the vehicle. And I could, I could look in and see Andrew, but I wasn't looking at um, the hand. It was so intense. Um, and he's kind of alternating between yelling hospital and apologizing profusely to me. We were on fire roads, so we were pretty remote, not like hardcore far away. I am panicking, and normally I pride myself on being pretty good in a crisis, um, but I was panicking. We had dialed 911, and they were trying to ascertain where we were, and I couldn't even tell them. Um, 
And so someone else took the phone and, and gave him better instructions to get an ambulance. The student Toyota truck drives by and, you know, people start running down. To They're flagging him down. Um, they, I don't, this is kind of fuzzy because I was pretty like jacked up. I'm remembering it as best I can. Around the same time, a Subaru came around the bend um, and we sort of hijacked this guy's vehicle who's also was named Andrew. My wife, Sydney, and my friend slash wedding officiant, Jeff, who was also trained EMT, lucky me, climbed into this dude's Toyota. Um, and he was very kind and drove us to the bottom of the mountain. Jeff sort of arrested my brachial artery, uh, which is like a big tube of blood that runs your forearm to your hand. And Jeff is um, administering first aid this whole time. Oh, just remember, like, screaming like a motherfucker, man. It was... It's hard to find words to describe the uh, physical pain. And Andrew's yelling and apologizing. Kind of all rolled into one. You know, people were on the phone. They're, like, calling the cops. And then, like, you know, police SUVs start coming up towards us. We met the ambulance just as it was started to come um, up the dirt path to the mountain. You know, Jeff sort of drags me out, and as soon as the EMTs see me, they go right to work. And they're like, all right, get him in. They cut my jersey up. Uh, they start injecting me with pretty much everything. I heard fentanyl and uh, morphine get thrown around. You know, it goes pretty fuzzy. <laughs> my not-yet-wife, uh, Sydney and Jeff, got in one of the police vehicles, and... They, you know, it was a little convoy of cop cars and the ambulance. All I can think about is like, ow. <laughs> they get to the hospital and it turns out the doctor on call is an orthopedic surgeon who has a reputation for being one of the best hand specialists in the area. And this is important because, well, his hand was in very bad shape. Um, I saw his hand in the emergency room in Jackson, despite uh, Jeff's very clear warnings that I should not look at it. I remember there were these two interns, these two young girls, like probably not, probably honestly like maybe 20, but they looked like kids. And uh, I I remember them just being like, holy shit, <laughs> like seeing the injury. And I hadn't really been looking at it yet because I don't really like to see that kind of shit myself. I thought that it didn't look like a hand. The easiest way to explain it is severe crush injury. Um, the, uh pretty much very deep lacerations like you know it it was literally pulverized his instinct when the vehicle rolled was to grab the roll cage and so he grabbed the outside of the roll cage with his left hand um with his four fingers on the top of the roll cage i mean you got it like the injury itself was the a solid steel tube and solid rock earth and the hand was in between and the the tube, you know, the metal car is 2,000 pounds. So it's, there was no, the hand was not slowing the vehicle down at all. It was, it was fully compressed pretty much. <laughs> He's had a ton of off-road experience um, from, as you mentioned, you know, tour guides in Australia on motorcycles to racing Baja in Mexico. So any off-roader will tell you, you keep your hands and feet inside the vehicle at all times. I mean, that's fucking 101. I knew that too. Um, not only does he write about these things, he actually does them himself. I honestly don't really know how my hand got out of the car. It doesn't make sense. It's it's something I knew not to do before then. Um, it just kind of happened. I, I, you know, 
when things start spinning, like I, I think I went kind of like Muppet arms, to be honest, and it just kind of like went went all crazy. Um, He's very experienced. Others have speculated that I like instinctively tried to like brace myself for the fall by putting my hand out, and then maybe I did that too. I mean, honestly, this it happens so quickly. Uh, I I can't even really recall it accurately. Back at the hospital in Jackson, Wyoming, they prepped Andrew for surgery as he tried to come to grips with what was happening. Yeah, we're going to operate as soon as we can. Just like, you know, I'm like, okay, I'm still kind of in this haze. I don't think that it was immediately recognizable to me that it was going to be life-changing. I knew we weren't going to have our wedding that day. And I think Andrew, by the time he got to the emergency room, he still sort of thought he'd just get patched up and he'd do our wedding with, you know, a giant bandage on his hand. I knew that wasn't going to happen. The full realization of what it would mean for our lives? Oh, that took a while. But then... We did have our wedding. When we come back, they tie the knot. But the day and night are far from over. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. We left off in the hospital emergency room in Jackson, Wyoming, where Andrew was just about to go into surgery, his fiancée, Sydney by his side. Who said it? I think Jeff said, like, are you on a, like, no, I think I was like, we got to, I got to get married. Like, we got to do this. We had our officiant with us, our great first responder officiant. Um, We had a bride and we had a groom. Um, And I think we kind of said it jokingly, like, oh, well, we can just do it right here um, as he was prepping to go into his first surgery. And uh, they were kind of like, well, then she'll be able to sign. If she's legally my wife, she'll be able to like take over, you know, if there are any big decisions while you're unconscious. And I think in part, you know, we were scared. Um, We could tell it was going to be a big surgery. Um, And, you know, I think we wanted to still be married well they're like all right we got to get you in surgery asap like finish your little ceremony and then we're we're suiting you up and so yeah jeff married us in the er it was very short and sweet and not the the long ceremony that we had written out and then yeah so we were married and they're like all right you're going in i got operated on for a couple hours and then the surgeon spoke to, to my then wife, my new wife, and they're like, "All right, listen, like it's he's real fucked up." My words, not theirs. <laughs> uh, so we can either amputate, like I think they wanted to take two or three fingers. I forget. It wasn't the whole hand, but it was like they're like we can either do like a significant amputation, or um, I can recommend that you fly to Salt Lake City, where there's a surgeon who can who specializes. Um, in this particular kind of surgery, which was basically sewing blood vessels back together. Um, And Andrew can have a better shot at getting a whole hand back. 
So Sydney was like, let's, we're flying to Utah, I guess. Yes, so Andrew was unconscious and could not make the decision for himself. Um, and I think that's when I started panicking again. Um, but at that point, um, Andrew's mom and my mom and, and some of our family, they were in the ER with me and kind of helped me make that decision. Um, but yeah, that's a pretty big choice to make for a wife two hours into being a wife. I mean, you know, the drugs are one thing, but the situation was stupefying, right? It was like, how is, how is this real? The next real memory I have is being in that airplane, kind of looking at the mountains that were supposed to be the backdrop for our wedding photos and just being like, God fucking damn it. How is this really happening? It was so goddamn surreal. And um, Basically, there, there wasn't any guarantee that the second surgery would work. Um, and it involved a private medical plane ride um, and another hospital and another surgeon. Basically, the... This is a two-prop airplane. Um, it, if, it, if it were full of seats, it would probably seat 12 people, but it's got a patient bed, you know, two in the front for pilots, two on the sides for doctors, and then one in the back for, like, a, a passenger, basically. And that was where Sydney was, like, sitting in the back. So I was, like, you know, just shell-shocked on so many levels, you know, coming in and out of extremely intense pain at that point. Um Sydney just bawling in the back seat of this airplane. We landed. So they're just gonna head him straight to surgery, right? Uh, yeah, pretty soon. Uh, the, you know, another ambulance into the Salt Lake City yeah, University of Utah Hospital. You'll be with him for quite a while. All right. Uh, one of our flight nurses, Josh. Uh, Josh grabbed my phone. We're going to the ER upstairs. Yeah, we're going to the ER. Here, you can stand up and pull them out. And said, you're going to want to record this. And I had no idea what he was talking about. And so he filmed us as we walked in. And nurses and doctors and staff um, were lined up. And over the loudspeaker comes... Staff, welcome the newlyweds from Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Um, and they had signs, uh, welcome Mr. and Mrs. Collins, congratulations, like in Sharpie on pizza boxes. Hey, wait, I gotta see these signs. Thanks, guys. Someone handed me a bouquet that was wrapped in um, medical tape. Someone else handed me a piece of cake from the hospital cafeteria. Happy wedding. <laughs> I'm definitely crying. I'd been crying for five hours. Uh, I knew I was going to cry at my celebration. But really, kind of in that moment, they were also tears of joy. It was really a wonderful thing that they did for us. And that's what we were greeted as, as we were wheeled in. Um, to the, the emergency room in Salt Lake City. It was a short reception. It was like, we need to operate on you immediately. They worked on me all night, nine hours on the table. Um, they called, they would like update my wife every 90 minutes or so. I'd be like, yeah, I'm still alive. That's a long surgery. It's, uh, it's pretty serious. 
Woke up and my hand was just just riveted, like like the damn Empire State Building when they first built it. You know, like just metal rods. Yeah, I had another moment of just like, just incredulousness. Like, what is like what? Yeah, it's like honestly, the next few days was just pain. This light would come on, this green light would come on when it when. You know, I had it. I was hooked up to all these sensors, and it, they would. This button would tell me when it was when my body could handle more painkillers. Because of course, that shit's bad for you too, man. It's a whole other deal. But yeah, so of course, as soon as the button came on, I was like, click, 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 click. <laughs> Come on. I couldn't piss. I couldn't shit. I could barely eat. I definitely couldn't move. Um, just straight wrecked. Like, you know not really functional human and like it was just terrible it was just it was so surreal man and um it was crazy i had to be in this room that had to be like 85 degrees fahrenheit so to maximize blood flow to uh, optimize the chance of me saving the hand the hand is just full of blood vessels like little tubes feeding blood to the hand it's like i mean thousands and thousands of these little streams and mine just got smushed like to hell they were worried that, like, you know, the whole hand would not have enough blood to keep going. So, like, you know, my pinky and my ring finger were, like, basically, like, little black sticks. And they were like, ugh. Yeah, man, we're, we're going to, we did what we could to, like, repair, but. Um, I think he'd been in the hospital for t- nine or ten days. I was extremely depressed and angry. Uh, and a little just hazy on account of the drugs I was on. They were able to save the, the ring finger. It got to the point where Dr. was like, listen, man, like, you know, we've, the pinky is like really probably not viable. Like, I'm not going to cut your pinky off, but like, you probably will have to lose the pinkies. Like your ring finger, on the other hand, like, is probably going to work. Or like it's probably gonna live, but uh, basically we we can't really do anything for you anymore. And so he came out of Salt Lake with all five fingers, um, but with definitely a caution that that pinky finger might not uh, be viable for much longer. I was pretty concerned, like very concerned when I was lucid. Um, I mean, it looked horrible; like it was it was bad. Andrew's discharge from the hospital. He and Sydney head back to Los Angeles, and though Andrew is set to see a new doctor and will have daily visits from a nurse, Sydney becomes his primary caregiver. God, that first night, I'll never forget it. Star Trek The Next Generation was on TV, and she had to remove my bandage for the first time. I was bleeding, not profusely, but I was bleeding a lot. So the bandage was like stuck to me. So she had to pull this sucker off, and man, it hurts so bad. So she's like, I'm trying not to scream because I don't want my wife of nine days to like have this experience be any worse than it already is. I'm like like a you know, soldier in the Civil War, like biting a belt to not like freak out. And uh Yeah, and she she took it off and you know, rebandaged me and you know, I'd been on all these insane painkillers for nine days. So the the doctor was like, oh, by the way, get him off that shit ASAP because it's really addictive and really brain damaging. <laughs> so Sydney's like the gatekeeper for the oxycodone and whatever else. And it's like, hey, you're only getting them if you're like about to die level. 
Uh, so yeah, she, you know, she like bathed me in this bathroom. It was, it was horrible, man. It was like, I'm not going to say it wasn't humiliating. It was for sure. And it, and I felt so bad that she had to go through this too. I mean, she suffered a lot as well. Like not, not physically, but emotionally, like. Well, I would definitely not say it just happened to Andrew. It definitely happened to me too. Um, and I think that that is important to acknowledge as well. Having to see that, having to see, having to see anybody in that state is is bad. And having, you know, your husband is like, I can't imagine. Nine days turned into weeks, turned into one month. Bloody bandages were changed, and there were more surgeries, including the rebreaking of a finger in an attempt to reset it. Through it all, his doctor gave it to him straight. You're never gonna do this, this, and this again. We're gonna be working on you for two years. Like this is fucked. This, 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 whatever. By the way, every time I say a doctor curses, they definitely did not curse. This is my rendition. (laughs) Uh, They were all consummate professionals. And as for the pinky? I think it was really a month to the day after the accident that his pinky was amputated. And it was very clear that that was the only decision to be made. They were like, all right, we got to get you into surgery. Um, We got to take that pinky off because it's just like this gross dead stick hanging off your body. So... The, the finger was dead. And yeah, they, they took me in. It was pretty quick. I think it only took about two hours. They sliced it and doped me up and gave me a big lobster claw. And the recovery from that sucked. I was I was just real sick a lot. And just because they had to give you so many, so many drugs to, to do an amputation, I learned. Because um, it hurts. <laughs> yeah, it was. So I recovered from that for a while. And then they're like, all right, well, next we're going to. We're going to do this surgery, and in between, you got to go to occupational therapy. So occupational therapy, I learned, is is not about getting jobs, which I always thought it was, but it's actually about learning your fine motor skills again. So So that's where Andrew's at now, the fine motor skills of a finely skilled motorist. When we come back from a final break, the present, the future, and I learn firsthand what not to say. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. It's been about 10 months since Andrew's had his pinky amputated. Since then, he's had painful surgeries, mostly to get rid of scar tissue, which can impede the movement of his hand. These surgeries are risky, though, as it involves slicing through those precious, fragile blood vessels. For that reason, he must take care to protect his hand from getting cut, which can cause bleeding or an infection. Basically, I have really good passive motion, which means I can move my fingers around with my other hand. Like, the the joints move... I just don't have a lot of control over them. So, like, I can't really do much. But the occupational therapy keeps the scar tissue away, and that's imperative to keeping his hand from seizing up. That's why I'm doing this while we're speaking, while I, why I'm, like, bending it. Because every hour I'm supposed to go through about 20 minutes of, like, well, occupational therapy. Like, I bend this X amount, and I try to bend this, and I try to bend this, and then I try to do that. Like, I try to make a chopping motion, and then I try to make a fist. The fact that I can't close 
like I can't close my hand is very frustrating. He's sort of surpassed expectations um, as to what his hand could look like and do kind of a year into this. So this is like a multi-year process. Okay, so there's still even more surgeries left. Yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. It's probably at least one more, probably two more, maybe even three more. Um, And so optimistic that it continues to improve. He's using it. It's not very as definitely not as functional um as the hand used to be but it's still a hand it's still a hand hearing this story retold from its first harrowing moments to its most gruesome details in the immediate aftermath to now almost a year later where despite losing the pinky it's almost hard to notice the injury at all and andrew is back to work writing about cars and flying around the world to drive and review them it's hard not to feel like this is a remarkable comeback story. But that's the problem with a story like this. Like the bees that stung Sydney, there's a tendency to try to find meaning, to give this whole thing an uplifting thrust. And so I do. I say the thing that I think a lot of people would say. I say the thing that I think is even true. That I'm happy for how far he's come, for how he managed to keep not just his hand, but his ring finger. That, well, it could have been worse. Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely... I have a lot to be thankful for, uh, for sure. Um, <laughs> but here, Andrew stops. I, 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 I will say, like, generally speaking, like, could have been worse is not, like, a great thing to say to to people who have gone through something traumatic. It's just, like, no shit, <laughs> right? I mean, yeah, the, you know, we could, have, we could be in nuclear war right now. Yes, it could be worse. Saying that, it was hard not to feel like I'd added insult to literal injury. And I told Sydney about it. I'm glad Andrew said that to you because it is it is also really important to acknowledge when things just go terribly wrong that it is awful. Um, and it's okay to say that to yourself and to acknowledge that um, and not try to compare it to what might have been or what could have been. And I think that's an important part of the healing process as well because if you say oh it could have been worse then sometimes you might feel guilty that you feel bad about this that you're angry about it or you're sad about it um and so just acknowledging that no this was really shitty thing that happened um is that is i think really important there's something else and it's something we touched on earlier It's easy to think of this as Andrew's experience, as Andrew's injury, as Andrew's story, but it's Sydney's as well. And when I interviewed her, I made it clear that other than describing the accident and aftermath as she witnessed it, I wanted her to describe not what Andrew was going through, but rather what she's been through. Seeing that it did happen to both of us, we had different experiences through that accident. Being a caretaker is difficult. You know, whether it's like you're 70 years old and you've been married for 40 years or you've been married for two hours and all of a sudden your husband's on disability and he's on severe painkillers that means he doesn't actually remember a lot of the first month after his accident Um, and you have to arrange that he's getting to his doctor's appointments and you are doling out all of his medications um important to acknowledge the caretaker as well you come across times that are really difficult and you feel like i don't want to deal with this right now um and then you feel really guilty because the person you love is is going like in pain 
Um, and so acknowledging both that frustration and, and that guilt that I think a caretaker can sometimes feel is important. This was a story about a wedding day, and yet we've heard so little about the marriage. Sydney observes, You know, this was obviously not what we had thought our first year of marriage was going to be. Um, we didn't get like a honeymoon phase of marriage. We got opioids and amputations and a totally wonderful nurse that would come into our house every single day and clean Andrew's hand. Um, and so I think it's also important to acknowledge that in addition to the, the medical stuff and the insurance, um, it's also has been really important to make sure that we're still focusing on our relationship as well. Um, because sometimes the medical stuff can feel really overwhelming. And so, as Andrew recovers and Sydney can spend less time as a caregiver, they get back to why they were married in the first place, each other. They'll have a one-year anniversary party. Someday, they'll even have a honeymoon. Maybe Andrew will get to drive stick again. In the meantime, Sydney enjoys the manual Z while Andrew takes the automatic Montero off-road. And as for each other, well... And I mean, that's marriage, right? It doesn't have, like, a tidy end to it. It just keeps going. And you just keep figuring it out. Thanks for listening to Tempest. This episode was written, hosted, and produced by me, David Obachowski. I also did the music with some help from my longtime collaborator and friend, Kenny Appel. The theme song is by Distant Correspondent. Visit the show on the web at TempestPodcast.com. Follow the show on Twitter at Tempest Podcast. Please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to Tempest. Also, tell your friends about it. And if you have any questions, comments, or compelling car stories, get in touch at Tempest at TempestPodcast.com. A special thanks this episode to Sydney Gannon and Andrew Collins. See you next week. <laughs>